As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ferguson in motion, pressure on Prescott, gets rid of it, Lamb. Oh, one-hander, C.D. Lamb! Here's a fake, now it's Lamb on the reverse. Has a seam, C.D. Lamb scores! Touchdown, Dallas! How about them Cowboys? Yeah. How about them Cowboys indeed? All right, another win in the books for the Cowboys. We got breaking news to talk about that might affect how this season ends up. Welcome into About Them Cowboys here on The Athletic. We've got John and Todd, your athletic Cowboys beat writers, in the house. And to lead us through this one, Kevin, KT Fun Tweets, Turner. What's up, KT? Hello, Kent. Um, good to have everyone here today. It's, we are recording this on Tuesday, November 14th, just so everyone knows whenever you check your your podcast feed and, and listen to this round of About Them Cowboys coming off a big 49-17 to win over the Giants. And uh, we'll start before we get into any of the last game and before we take a look forward at the next game, just kind of... Uh, uh, go through some, some news first, and I think the first thing I think is the news today that it looks like bad news on the injury front from um, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. John, I'll let you give us the latest, and uh, if you kind of saw this coming. Yeah, it's not a huge surprise, just because anytime we've asked about Leighton on the record or off from anybody within the organization, it's been uh, uh, not very positive in terms of him returning this season, and so uh, to not get anybody to say that there's a chance or that they were feeling good about it made me think that this was probably, you know, the eventual outcome that he probably wasn't a comeback. He's had multiple neck injuries, so it shouldn't come to, as a shock to fans. Um, this is the type of injury when they add up like this, where it could potentially be, you know, the end of his playing career. So, um, and for someone like him, you know, uh, obviously football is a huge part of his life, but he has a long life ahead of him that, uh, you know, I get loving to play football and all that, and it would suck to have to retire early. But you know, if it's at what cost, you know, to the rest of your life and 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 the way you live your life, to go back out there and uh, potentially risk further injuring something like that, that that could impact you for the rest of your life, well beyond football, is is a scary thing. And so that's something that he's going to have to consider right now. Is you know, is this the end of my football career, or is he going to try and you know heal? and come back next season and i don't think anybody knows i don't think he knows for sure uh what that what that answer will be and so now the cowboys have to move forward but i feel like behind the scenes they already were preparing you know you've seen rashawn evans playing more um but you know marquise bell's filled in nicely but um this team's better with leighton vanderash there's no question about that yeah i don't think there was any i i mean honestly there were like john said just no encouraging signs but also um you know, I, I think it's kind of like the tyrant thing where you just kind of accepted it already. So it doesn't, it's not a huge shock when it does happen. It, it sucks all the same. Anytime you don't have tyrant Smith for a game or two or something, it sucks all the same, but coming into the season, you just knew that you weren't going to have him for 17 games. So it's kind of like inevitable. It's an inevitability. And with Layton, after he went down, just because of everything that's at stake from his life and everything like that, it was kind of, just assume that he wasn't going to come back. And then if he did, that's just bonus points. So, um, you know, just a quick 
thing to tack on to that kind of related unrelated was, you know, CJ Goodwin being shut down was a little more, I don't want to say surprising, but you know, a little bit more of like, Oh, like, you know, I thought he may have actually had a little bit of a chance. You know, anytime I've talked to him in the last couple of weeks, uh, he's been in good spirits about everything and all that stuff. So I think I had a little bit more expectation that if, if you asked me, one of those two guys is going to come back. I probably would have thought Goodwin, um, but at this point, both of them are done. I want to, I can't help but draw a few parallels here, and it's a little different. Ten years are different, all that stuff. And maybe it's too early to do this, man, because there's still hope. And you know, I don't ever like to speak for a player, you know, when it comes to these things. But do you get the vibe that like Vendra should want to be around this thing, even if he couldn't play, you know, after a football type thing? Are there type of Sean Lee parallels that you can kind of draw? Remember the thing that people would always talk about? Oh, Sean Lee would make a hell of a coach. I mean, it's just a whole narrative going around. I mean, Leighton Vendorish has spent almost half of his career, a little less than that, having to be in this role where he's with the team, but sidelined due to injury. And I wonder if it's like something that he like loves being around it a lot, or, you know, I, I don't know. It's, and maybe it's an inappropriate so, thing to bring up. I should probably say that. Well, first. I would say this. Um out of being around those two players, I would say that it was I I would lean heavily towards Sean Lee being more likely to be a coach, and he's not coaching right now. So yeah, that's the best way I can describe that one. I'm I'm a little surprised that Sean Lee isn't back in coaching, but um, I think he will eventually. But I thought he would be sooner than I, I thought he'd already be on on a sideline because I don't I don't know that I've been around a player that loves football more than him, and so. Uh, it's, it's just hard to say with these guys, you know? No, absolutely. Yeah, I also wonder just, you know, a quick thing on that comparison is just kind of the different, um, the different emotions that those two guys go through just because, you know, I understand the parallels and everything linebacker, you know, in the middle, uh, a lot of injury history and things like that. But man, like, like John said, like, a lot of Sean Lee stuff was, okay, you tore your ACL. Okay. You, you know, this happened, this happened. You just like always had a, like, it wasn't just like snatched out underneath in, in one instant, you know, like a neck injury is just so different where, you know, Sean Lee probably had a lot of, I know he had a sports hernia injury, all that stuff, but it's a lot of like, okay, do I want to rehab and get back out there? And you come to this long acceptance. Whereas like with Leighton Vandresh, it's like, do I want to have like a good quality of my life or do I like, you know, have a life after, after this. So the stakes are so much higher. I wonder if Leighton just needs a little bit more time to process it all. All right. Well, let's, um, well, I said the other, other thing before we talk about the game, how do you feel health wise on things? I mean, a day where you kind of, you're watching a lot of that game going, Hey, no one get hurt. No one get hurt. No one get hurt. I said it came out pretty clean, right, John? Yeah, no, that's what uh, that's that is from everything that we've heard. Stephen Jones said on the radio the other day, same deal uh, that they pretty fortunate the way they came out of that game. Uh, nothing notable to report. Doesn't sound like there's anything uh, notable with Jordan Lewis. I know there was some mention of him leaving the game a little bit early, but I don't think that's anything of significance. So, yeah, I mean there'll be guys in the injury report, but it doesn't sound like it's anything that will prevent them from playing uh, Sunday against the Panthers. I feel like that game, it continues a, a trend of a very odd, odd game. Uh, that game is, if you're a Cowboys fan, probably just fun to watch, to watch them go up and down. For me, it was kind of one of those things where, like, how many blowouts are we going to have this year? Oh, yeah, the Eagles game was close last week, and it should be a blowout game. It's kind of just kind of watching it that way. Incredible, just kind of taking care of your business, doing what you need to do. No drama, really. And didn't play with your food too much. Maybe with six minutes left in the first quarter, I think I might have tweeted out something about playing with your food a little bit. But they were kind of... I mean, that game, I almost felt bad for Tommy DeVito and the Giants at some point. And I know you shouldn't feel bad, but I did. I was sitting there going, this is not a fair fight. So those games where it's like, when Micah Parsons doesn't even go off or even like really show up in the box score, and you win by 32, you know things are going really well. Um, and a chance to do that again this week, you know, in Carolina too. Yeah. I would say the thing with the giants is, um, they might not have the worst record in the NFL, but I don't know if there's a worse team in the NFL right now. I mean, they certainly look like they're playing for 
a possibility to be able to get Drake May or Caleb Williams. That's not a very good team. Uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you have to hate seeing that the Eagles get them twice at the end of the season there. Uh, those should be layup wins with backup players for the Eagles. Um, yeah, the, the Giants are a bad team, but the Cowboys took care of business and won again at home. And that's the thing that stands out to me. Uh, line up the uh, some of the worst teams in the league uh, against some of the best. And it's impressive wh- however you break it down to win 12 consecutive games at home. And then it goes to another level with me when you do it in a building that I don't think anybody that's been there multiple times would say, oh, this is one of the most daunting places for visiting teams to play. Yeah. So that to me uh, right now, as of today, I will say if I'm doing a list of most impressive things Mike McCarthy's done at head coach, number one is making the playoffs in back-to-back years just to have that back-to-back year success because of what's happened with the Cowboys really since those 90s Cowboys. It's very easy to go look that up if you like. Just go to Pro Football Reference. Um, they don't make the playoffs back-to-back years very often. And then now it looks like they're set up that they'll make the playoffs three consecutive seasons. So that takes it even to another level. So that will be my line one, number one, most impressive thing Mike McCarthy's done. Uh, and then number two is is the way he's created a home field advantage for the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. Never covered a game, never attended a game at Texas Stadium, so I can't compare. Um, but I've been to... Uh, all but maybe a handful of the games that are played, maybe a little bit more. I would say all but maybe 10 games have been played at AT&T Stadium at the most. And that is not a place that you look at and you just rank in the top five or six of where it's the toughest places to play. And to be one of the very few teams that has won that many games in a row, props to Mike McCarthy for that. Yeah, the, the um, related to just what you're saying, John, um, the other thing that impressive about McCarthy for me that I would add on that list probably – higher than the home record is going four and one with Cooper rush last year. For me, that was really impressive too, just for just to be able to do that early in the season when you kind of come out and, and all that. But yeah, that, that to me, that might be one of the most impressive things that Mike McCarthy has done in Dallas is, is that stretch of games right there. The Cooper rush thing, just because he did get to play in the game. I just want to mention this real quick. I do think it's funny how, if anybody judges anything off of him coming in during, because nobody should, how you judge him is what he's done when he's had to start games. Like that is much more difficult than getting put in with a bunch of backups in a game that's already out of hand. Like I don't, to me, it doesn't even matter what his numbers are there. I've already seen enough of him. If needed to start a game, he's clearly the, the, the player that you would go with. So he doesn't necessarily wow you, but it's, it's not like that was that far out of your mind of when he was able to do that. So it, I just remember during the trade deadline, people talking about, oh, they should get, you know, trade Cooper Rush, get wherever they want. Like, uh, I think they prefer to have him on the roster. Yeah, <laughs> for for now. <laughs> it's like, what does next year hold? The trade almost, uh, like, look back at it, it's still everything we said about that trade. It was a long-term thing, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it trade makes Lance sense. Will, Trey Lance will have to play well in the offseason, so we'll see. Isn't it hard, though, to imagine, though, anyone wanting Cooper Rush, though, again, like, some teams going, mm-hmm. oh, I'll give you a here a mid round draft pick, a good mid round draft pick, you know, fourth for at any time. Like it mm-hmm. still doesn't seem like he'd be coveted as a free agent. I, I'll just say this: we're in a league where the Rams had to give the Lions a first round pick to take Jared Goff off their off their hands. He seems to be doing fine. There's definitely times when I did not think Baker Mayfield would have many meaningful snaps left in his career, and then uh, certainly how many teams have moved on from Joshua Dobbs and he seems to be doing just fine as well. So, and uh, yeah, so um, it could be a lot worse. You could be starting to veto. Yeah. No, my God. That poor guy. I, I don't know. I mean, they were even making fun of him on the broadcast showing, you know, Sopranos graphics and stuff like that. I don't know. Did you watch Sopranos, John? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably not for sod. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not I, actually I, mean, that big I don't of a feel bad at all. I thought it was awesome. I love yeah. that beatdown. I can't remember the last time <laughs> we went into halftime and it was basically the game was over. I mean, that second half was just formality. I mean, good grief. Yeah, I had my eyes on the other TV watching the Chargers and the Lions <laughs> right. shoot out half the t- half the game. Going, God, yes, this game's game. brutal. Um, so you know we have now a little bit of a you know of a look through ten weeks. 
you know, it's a little bit of a gauntlet here when you have the short break on these games, right? A bunch of games crammed together at once, but the Cowboys are probably a little conditioned to that a little bit more than more than anyone else, them in Detroit are. Uh, so you get at Carolina, you get to Washington, then you get night game uh, in Seattle on Thursday night, the 30th, and then you're off until December 10th with Philadelphia. And we've talked a little bit about what the rest of the schedule is with Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, and then at Washington to close it all out. Boy, that Buffalo game looks wild right now as Buffalo's 5-5 five and five and firing offensive coordinators and a little chaos there. Um, there's a few things that we could talk about. One, I, I think the Cowboys standing in the NFC. Obviously, until you beat these teams, you still probably have to rank them behind San Francisco and behind Philadelphia. But I still kind of think it's there. Like, I still almost think it's a three-horse race. And I try to, try to get Detroit in there. From time to time, but I, I don't know that I'm there yet with them. Because the I don't know what their big the, convincing the only, win is, you know? The only reason I put the Lions in there with the Cowboys is because I feel pretty confident the Lions are going to at least get to play a home playoff game, and I don't think the Cowboys will. So yeah. if you think that the Eagles are going to falter and not win the division, then I would put I would certainly put the Cowboys above just because of what they've done at home. I mean, you have to love their chances if they get a home playoff game. Problem is, it's just going to be tough for them to get a home playoff game. Whereas the Lions, if they as long as they win the NFC North, they get at least one, and uh, and I think that that would improve your chances quite a bit. I mean, the Lions could end up with the second best record in the NFC, so their yeah. schedule's not good. <laughs> yeah, I think this. I, I think we're about to find out find out a lot about the Eagles in these next three weeks, and so how the Eagles come out of how how the Eagles come into that Cowboys game uh, after playing the Chiefs. Bills and four and 49ers. Um, I think I think you'll you'll know a lot about your division chances once you're once the two teams are playing again at ATT Stadium. Real quick, uh, not to be the Lions defender here, but you did say something along the lines of was it that they don't have like a signature win? What were you saying, KT? Yeah, well, what is their big win? Do they have yeah, what what is it for the Cowboys? Fair, totally fair. Yeah, not 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 there. The Chargers, the dismantling of the Giants twice. I guess I don't know. Well, the Lions beat the Chiefs, but that was Week One, I think, or two. It's week, nothing no, head it was week to one. It was the opener, yeah. Yeah, and they, didn't have, they didn't have Kelsey or Chris Jones. It's yeah. nothing head to head. It's like all oh, point differential. Like the Cowboys and the 49ers have such Honestly, a significant point sig- differential. Over yeah, the Cowboys' else. signature good moment was losing to the Eagles. I mean, that's <laughs> their signature moment of the season right now. That feels like the most Cowboys thing ever. <laughs> I know, but am I wrong? Like what? Like what, yeah. would, what? What would you put above that? Like none of the wins. And I don't think you even get another chance to even have another one until Week 14 when they play the Eagles again, because beating Carolina won't matter, beating Washington won't matter, and to be honest with you, beating Seattle, I don't know at home. I don't know how that's any different than beating the Chargers on the road. I would put them on a pretty similar level. Yeah, yeah I, that's yeah. That's the thing. In Seattle. I guess. If, I guess Detroit and Seattle. We should. We should. Talk about probably similarly then, you know, if we're going to do that. And then you get Seattle in a few weeks, and then you can kind of go from there. I mean, the Cowboys' job is to be 9-3 and when they play the Philly – when they play the Eagles in week 14. You know, and and with any luck, the Eagles are 9-3 and too, and that game has, you know, a a lot of weight to it. I'm going to say it's division because what follows that is not easy for the Cowboys too. I mean – we can look around at that. You know, we've talked about, well, the Eagles are about to go through it. People are talking about what the Bills are about to go through now, you know, after they've lost last night. And that was kind of some headlines after losing uh, in an embarrassing way on Monday Night Football with 12 men on the field. It's like, yeah, they're about just, to go through it too. Let me just add this in here because I'm, I, I, when anything's close, I like to lean on Vegas because, uh, um, they know they have, they have money being put on these things. So <laughs> it seems that, like it matters a little bit more than maybe a lot. Significant drop off after those top three. They, they Vegas does not. You know. You know. It's an interesting one about Vegas. Is a totally sidebar thing. But I've here's one that'll be interesting to watch. Um, is college football? Vegas has not really like the entire season valued the Pac-12 the way that everyone national Oregon Washington is always quite a bit further down. Now Oregon's caught up a little bit, but it is interesting how Vegas has looked at that. Vegas with the NFC. At no time this season have they put the Seahawks on that tear up there. I'll just give you I'll give you the breakdown real quick. To win the NFC, the Niners are the favorite at plus two forty. The Eagles are right there at plus two ten. 
Then there's the Cowboys at plus 500, and then the Lions at plus 550. Seahawks plus 1400. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even and then and then to drop off from them is the Saints at plus 2500. It's like not even in that same realm. That's... And also, if you're playing with that Washington team at home yeah. this weekend the way that they did, I don't know. Like I I like the trade, you know, and all that and I, and I and I have a ton of respect for Pete Carroll and and they have a great home field advantage, but I don't look at Seattle like they belong in that same tier. I think they're in the next tier down. Well, when I watch Seattle play, I think the exact same thing. And when I watch Detroit play, I go, they could be dangerous if they can play indoors in January. Yeah. Uh, I, they I would, could also host the Cowboys in a playoff game, and the Cowboys, I would have, I would, I would not be surprised at all if the Cowboys beat them. You know, like, I, oh, I, yeah. I, none of that would, would surprise me at all. I think I, I, I give the Cowboys the edge in any matchup with them because of the fact that the Cowboys are battle tested. The question with the Cowboys is, can they win enough playoff games to finally get to a Super Bowl? The question with the Lions is, can they make the playoffs? Which looks like they'll answer that. But to even win a playoff game, they're not even, they haven't even done that. They haven't done that since the early 90s. So they're not even on where, what, you know, Dak was accomplishing early in his career with the Cowboys. So they would have to prove it in the playoffs, whereas the Cowboys have shown you they can win playoff games. It's just they haven't been able to put together multiple playoff wins and, and a deep run. The website you had there that you were looking up some Vegas stuff. Do we have any? Yeah. Do you have the ability to have MVP action going yeah, on? Yeah. Because yeah, I got I got the futures up here. I was thinking about this before um, before the week even started. Mm-hmm. The runaway. Maybe we talked about this on last week's podcast. The the MVP race. There is no runaway for MVP. I think the default would probably be Mahomes, based on him being Patrick Mahomes, like. The Chiefs' offense has not been putting people in chokeholds and putting them to sleep. And it ain't Josh Allen. And Joe Burrow's just now starting to play well. Um, so, like, for a slow of, of a start, it seemed like the offense was kind of having because it wasn't operating up to maybe the expectations that some of us wanted to see. Now you're seeing some things start to check out once you get a bigger sample size of through 10 games or through nine games. Points per game up at the top. And now I think Dak's MVP odds, they've got to – have they gotten up into the top five? No, no, no. He's got a ways to go. Um, I'm, the top I'm curious four, since, I'm curious sorry, since you have it up there is – I don't know if this is ludicrous to say, but I don't think it is. Like, is C.J. Stroud making making waves up there yet or no? I, I'm telling you, C.J. Stroud right now, if, if you're talking about betting, is closer to being a favorite for the award than Dak Prescott is. Yeah, Dak's gonna have to beat like the Eagles. Probably yeah. have to. They'll probably have to go on a tear, a tear to for him to get up into that level. Yeah. Um, um, there's CJ Stroud right now plus two thousand, Dak yeah. plus three thousand. So there's a clear four that have separated themselves from the rest, and that's Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are the two favorites at plus three hundred. Burrow. And then there's the next group, which is no Burrow's fallen off. Wow. The next group is. Uh, Tua Tonga Viola and Lamar Jackson are both plus five hundred, okay. and then it drops yeah. off to fourteen to Joe Burrow. Yeah, Lamar, Lamar, Lamar is interesting. I think Lamar has a has had a sneaky good season. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have any issue with him going up there either. I just do think it is funny that Jalen Hurts and Mahomes are both at the same because if you're just starting a franchise or you already have a franchise or however you want to do it, and you can have one or the other, like I would love to see all thirty two GMs, <laughs> like. Is is it'd be thirty two uh, for many, Mahomes? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say like I was gonna say at least thirty. Um, but I get why he's up there again. They're going off of betting on on the likelihood of of things, and certainly if they end up with the NFL's best record, that is that is usually a really nice feather in the cap for who your MVP is gonna be. So if they have the NFL's best record, which they have a really good chance of having, then I can see how Hertz would win the award. I'm just saying that if you just had to pick one or the other. I I don't think that it would be close to uh, a 50-50 vote. No, I think I think there's some of that voter fatigue you always have to factor in. I mean, I remember there was some Oh, it sucks. We got to watch the greatest player maybe ever. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz oh, I, I remember this was like brought up like didn't LeBron like only win four MVPs like in his whole career? Hasn't he? I think he's only yeah. won like four or something like that. And and I think the last one was like in 2012 or something. I don't know. Something crazy like that. But it's like it was the same. It's the same premise, though. Like how many teams, how many GMs in 2015 were not picking LeBron James as your top player? But, you know, 
it's just it just happens I, I will never get patrick mahomes fatigue because i am too big of a college football fan for that and there's no better example than this year's heisman race where it just a bunch of guys that are like fourth, fifth, six-year seniors who none of them really blow you away. You're like, if you're really that talented, you would have already been in the NFL type thing. Uh, so uh, having having to hear people talk about who should win the Heisman makes me laugh when you have in, in the NFL what I think could end up going down as the greatest player ever. I'm just going to enjoy that and not get any voter fatigue over him winning 10 MVPs or, or five, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting when you talk about those two guys in Mahomes and and Hurts, though. I mean, Dak has more touchdown passes than Jalen Hurts. He's got fewer interceptions than Jalen Hurts. He, I mean, it's the running game, I guess, that separates everything. Take Between a, Dak and Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't have a game like Dak had against San Francisco on his resume. Believe me, I, that I, one, I that agree. One hurts, that one hurts him big time. Yeah, that, that was that was a really tough game. To it, it was a big moment. Everybody was there was a lot of buildup. All eyeballs were on that, and he played really bad. Now I will say the way he's played these last four games, I'm very interested to see. Like if they had played the Niners next week, I don't think you would see that. He just seems more confident. Seems like he's got a better handle of this offense. But it's hard for people to forget how he looked in that Niners game. Just interesting. You know, I mean, Josh Allen leads the league in interceptions at 11. But you go down there, there's so much talk about Dak and, and interceptions. I mean, Dak has six. There's Mahomes and Jalen Hurts right there at eight. Tua at seven, you know, with more. Well, I mean, you, you, you can go through all, all the quarterback stats there, and you sit there and you go, Dak is right up there with everyone. Like, it's it, it's within, uh, you know, within grasp. And I think the most important stat in terms of what McCarthy's looking for, although I could be wrong, Dak leads the league in quarterback completion percentage. That's something I think McCarthy likes a lot. Yeah. If Josh Allen was the Cowboys quarterback, he'd be getting destroyed right now. But sometimes it benefits you to be in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Allen led the, intercept, led the league in interceptions last year. Now, granted, Dak played five fewer games, and they had the same number, I think. But, you know, regardless, it was – like bottom line, they both had whatever the interception total was. But. You know, this is why I've always said if you start dating a celebrity, you know, this whole it's a distraction and it's a detriment to your career. Josh by the Allen. Way, by the way, like every like I hope everyone listens to our podcast every week and stuff, but next week should be uh can't miss on the edge with Micah Parsons. Um y'all see y'all see who his guest is gonna be? No. He's having Trayvon Diggs on, Mister, uh, the guy who is tweeting about his brother needing to get out of Buffalo, and and uh, Josh Allen wasn't nothing until Stefan got there. Um, Trayvon, uh, Micah on Twitter, uh, publicly asked to book Trayvon, and then Trayvon <laughs> said, "Book it." So, I believe that is going to be the All show right. next week. <laughs> can I can I make a can I make a prediction? Yeah. It doesn't end up being all that entertaining. <laughs> Whenever there's like a buildup for, for things like this, it just it very rarely ever like the, you know, if it's especially it's something that it's on social media, then all of a sudden when they get a chance to talk, it won't be nearly as, you know, hardcore. Explosive. Yeah, it'll be yeah. Yeah, explosive. There's a good word. Um, it'll be a little dialed back. Yeah. Definitely watch it, though. Check in yeah. and, 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 and give them views and and. and listens in that i just uh anytime these things are built up very rarely do they meet any expectations especially when you have several days in between to be one thing if like you're in that middle of like tweeting and then all of a sudden like he's recording the show live and he's like hey jump on a call right now maybe yeah. then but yeah. when you have multiple days there'll be build up there'll be people that'll talk to him stefan will tell him hey man chill out everything but <laughs> hey, like i said watch it see what happens yeah that's a good point looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So uh, we get the big, big one of the Giants and move on to the Panthers for a second. You have Bryce Young, who's struggled a little bit in his rookie year. I, I do think Bryce Young is not benefiting from the fact that C.J. Stroud is just crushing it right now for Houston. And, uh, you know, without, without being disrespectful to what C.J. Stroud has accomplished, is a bit of the NFL flavor of the month right now. <laughs> So everyone is kind of on him right now. Bryce Young didn't have a ton to work with. I mean, Bryce Young is there resurrecting Adam Thielen's career right now. And they're not good. They're a bad team who does not have their first-round draft pick. The Chicago Bears have it. Which, by the way, Bears didn't win that game last week. That was weird. Um, so, like, you have this whole thing in a, where it's like a very winnable game on the road. Noon game. I always fear the sleepy noon games, but I have a hard time thinking this is not going to be a lot like last week. Uh, if you guys are in the same boat there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I like Bryce Young. I don't think he's in a great situation. Um, do I am very uh, entertained by those who say that they, oh, I always knew CJ Stroud was going to be better. Cool. You should probably quit your job and get in with the NFL front office because most would not have agreed with you on that. Um there's uh, plenty of reasons why, but uh, there was a really good clip that the Cowboys put out after the draft um, when they did their, I think it was a two or three part series breaking down, you know, how their draft went this year from uh, some of the highlights included how they decided on Mozzie Smith over Matthew Bergeron. Um, obviously Deuce Vaughn getting picked with his dad. Uh, it was great to see the behind the scenes on that, but a sneaky little thing in there that I thought might even be just as good as those things, but I'll put it third on my list is um, because obviously the Cowboys weren't drafting a quarterback. They included a lot of what they're talking went on in the room about Bryce because of the fact that like, okay, Hey, we're not going to be drafting. He's going to go one. Let's just go around the room and everybody filling what they said. Yeah, I'm going to go with those guys. I would have, I would have taken Bryce one too as well. I'm not yeah. Monday morning quarterback in this and going, Oh, CJ Stroud. Oh yeah. All of a sudden they're idiots or whatever. Nah, Bryce Young had a, there's a lot of things I like about Bryce Young. I have no issue with him going number one overall. Yeah, I, I think how you feel about a player before, like that's not to say you never second guess. You know, you like like you said, you have to you have to be able to fall back on. You know what? This was what we said, and and, and this is the best example I always have with this is always the Taco Charlton T.J. Watt thing, where you know if you're gonna go back and second guess the Cowboys for that pick, that's fine because everyone was saying T.J. Watt should have been the pick. And that was kind of, you know, a universal thing with Cowboys fans not to have Taco Charlton. But you can't do that with every single pick. Um, there's very few of those. Very few. Once once every few years you have one where, you know, you're like, no matter what happens, I know this was the guy um, that, that you should have taken. But you you can't do that. And with quarterbacks, the situation is always such a, is such a huge thing. I always look at Vince Young and you know, what his career would have been without Jeff Fisher and all those kind of things. You, you, there's just too much. 
Yeah, I'm a big believer in time, too, especially for, for guys who go into a bad situation, which Houston was seen as a bad situation. Now, immediate help when you get a guy like Tank Dell who can play, um, you know, and things like that. But, you know, Robert Woods has been huge for that Houston team and things like that. Noah and, Brown, Dalton and Schultz. No one, Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz, you know. Um, you look at, you know, in Carolina, same same thing. I mean, they want Thielen to kind of be that Robert Woods type, type guy. And they turn Thielen into, well, he's going to get seven catches every game. Like, that's the one dangerous guy on their offense who can hurt you. You know, uh, Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard don't scare anyone. Um, uh, Hayden Hurst can get some, uh, you know, goal line opportunities, red zone opportunities, and things like that. Overall, you know, just just kind of a kind of a team that's in rebuild mode still completely. Who, unfortunately for them, does not have a first round pick. Well, I think about those things too. You said uh, Taco. You know, think about that too. A part of the thing with Taco is like the way Michigan was utilizing him at that time, playing him inside at defensive tackle some, and also playing him at defensive end. Like sitting there going, questioning like the evaluation. And that makes me want to talk about Mozzie Smith for a minute. Who the first big NFL game where you can sit there and go, okay, now we're seeing some flashes right there. It was great to see that, even if it is the Giants and Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Three tackles for uh, Mozzie Smith the other day. That was nice to see. What? <laughs> I don't want. I'm not, we're not going to pile on Tommy DeVito. No, who wouldn't want to play not? in the NFL? Who would? Who wouldn't want to play in the? NFL? I love play to. for play for the hometown Giants. You know, your New Jersey high school football stud. But there just was some Ben DiNucci vibes out there where you're just like, let's be honest, guys, this is a little, little bit too much right here. You know? Yeah. So there, there um, were. It was that weird NFL thing when this happens, and we saw a little bit with Tommy Bajent or Bajent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tyson. And you're just going, hold on. What is really the best play to go with an undrafted guy? It's like, uh, keep in mind, this is supposed to be a good product. Who's the best player? Who's the best quarterback that has come along like that, let's say in the last 10 or 15 years? I don't want to go all the way back to Warren Moon and coming from the CFL, but like, who is a guy, and even then he had the CFL success, but like who is somebody that has like come off the streets? I mean Heineke? Kurt Warner. I mean, yeah, and Kurt Warner's a long time ago, so let's not even count. Joshua that Dobbs, one, like, kinda. Kinda, but like no where do, how do we think this story's gonna end with Joshua Dobbs? Yeah. Do you think it's gonna be with him winning multiple playoff games? Like I mean, if you're talking undrafted, I mean, Tony Romo. Yeah. Maybe Romo. I'm obviously going on the lesser level with Heineke. Patrick maybe. Mahomes. <laughs> no one saw that coming out of Texas Boy, Tech, yeah, except no, Andy Reid. No. Yeah, he's the only one. It, um, it, it is hard to figure that out because it is not. <laughs> Everyone was drafted. Everybody in the league. I would think Kurt Warner position. is the number one. Yeah. has to be uh, as, as high as it gets, but that's so long ago. I feel like there had to be somebody since then. But the reason I bring this up is because it's just like there's so much scouting. There's so much everything that goes into all of this that it's like it's hard for someone to completely slip through the cracks like that. Hey, Brock Purdy just... might become that guy. I mean, we'll see how yeah. that goes. But but even but even with Brock Purdy, I can't put him on the level of those other guys just because like you at least knew who he was. If you watch college football, like he was on those Iowa state teams were like very formidable and you knew he was like a good college player. I'm not going to say he was as good as Dak, but a little bit of how, like when Dak at Mississippi state, you're like, Oh, Mississippi state's pretty good. And I know who that guy is, you know, and, and that's kind of how he was at Iowa state. So I don't know. The Romo thing is, is, is a really good one. And, um, Kurt Warner, because you didn't know anything about them before. Um, but yeah, even Dobbs, I guess he's a fourth round pick. My thing with Dobbs, though, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a great story and all, but I just don't. Uh, how I feel are like all he's just now getting a shot? He was drafted the year after Dak, and he's just now getting a shot in the NFL. I mean, it feels like Dak's been the quarterback for a decade here. Yeah, it, it would just be shows you that like, the path is different for all these guys. And five years later, you might get a shot if you're good. Right? Enough. It just it's just interesting that you say that that you know. You know, he was just recently drafted by everybody. He's already been on like four or five teams. So that's four or five different teams evaluating and being like, yeah, we like this, but eh, we're good. Mm -hmm. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong, but DeVito's the Cardinals moved on. 
Yeah, DeVito's not, I mean, that's on a way another level. Like yeah, Dobbs no, can, like Dobbs the, is going to be in this league for a long time. Don't, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm DeVito won't, but like <laughs> I'm saying with the Dobbs story, like really, how far is this going? Is he all of a sudden where they're like, we're not bringing back Cousins and we're not looking for a quarterback? We got our guy. No, no. Uh, okay. I could see <laughs> him leading see. Minnesota to a wild card spot and having some fun, but you know, that's about yeah. it. Hey, Basically, you know. You know, it was a kind of a good one um, again, but this is going way back. But since you brought up Kurt Warner, because I think he had some Kurt Warner ties. I think he backed up Kurt Warner or something like that um, was Jake DeLome. Like yeah. Jake, Jake DeLome was undrafted and had like, then he played in the NFL. Then he went back to like the NFL Europe. Then he came yeah. back to the NFL um, with the Panthers. Like that was a good story too. In that time, Jason Garrett. I kind of put Dak in that category because if anyone knew Dak was going to be the player he was, he would not have lasted to the fourth round. Player he was. Yeah, but that's a maybe different category. Not, but when you get covers of Sports Illustrated when you're in college, like I can't put you on the level of, of some of these other guys we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, took Mississippi State to be the number one team in the country for the, like, the first time ever. I mean, he was... Yeah, and oh, yeah. Andy did it in some big games against teams like, you know, LSU at LSU. Um, yeah. So there was at least stuff out there about him. Mm-hmm. I just think that there were some uh, limitations that teams saw in him in terms of his um, accuracy and probably, uh, you know, getting the ball out quick and, and some of those things that even Jason Garrett talked about when they, right after they drafted him, the things they had, they had to work on and things. And if credit to Giants, Jack because he's worked his ass off to overcome those things and improve in those areas that where most people don't do that, you know. If you're the Giants, are you going tank mode or you run it back with Daniel Jones? I mean, you just paid him. Tank mode? Daniel Jones is not the guy. I mean, you might be tanking with Daniel Jones, so I don't yeah. – <laughs> like, and, and, un, and organically at that, so. I mean, but do you, draft, do you draft a quarterback next year? You have to. It, do you have a top two pick? If you have a top two pick, like yeah, they should, let's say yes, you have, the you have three to. Pick. I mean, if if it depends on how you have your quarterbacks ranked, he could they could have the, the you know Drake May and Caleb Williams is clearly the top two, and then there's some drop off there. Uh, if that was the case, then maybe they would trade back and draft one. But if they have one of those top two picks, I I don't see the New York Giants passing on Drake May or Caleb Williams. I just that that. I'd be stunned if that happened. Let's say the top two teams are Chicago and New England. Quarterback, you think, quarterback. You think it's both quarterbacks? Are I would, yeah. Immediately. Yeah, but, but if I'm, so if that, I'm the Giants, then... the Giants with Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, and, and if I'm the Giants then, if, like, Chicago does that, then I'm try, I'll am i at least try to go get Justin Fields. Like, yeah. if, if Chicago's going to take a quarterback, I'll try to go get Justin Fields. Yeah, it would be interesting, too, because I think in that scenario, the Giants would probably try and trade up so that they could get that pick from Chicago, give Chicago three, and then obviously we'd have to give them a lot more, a bunch mm-hmm. of future firsts and that. But yeah, that would be interesting how it goes. I just I I'd be very surprised if Caleb Williams and Drake May aren't the aren't the first two picks. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be surprised too, especially Man, Chicago. The Drake May uh stock is rising. Did not Which expect kind of, expected the way it's gone, but it seems like Doesn't Drake it remind May you a little bit of Zach Wilson? Window. Yeah, a little Boy, bit. A little bit. I mean, Trubisky is what I immediately draw back to it, but mm, that's easy comp. They're with their colleges with for the sure. The school and the size and yeah, kind of the way they I, play. I mean, it's I haven't kept up with with Trubisky. How's that worked out? Well, he gets to, he gets some run whenever Kenny Pickett gets hurt. Okay. Uh, for the six and three Steelers, you can talk about a team that's a mirage. It's the six and three Steelers. That team's not good. Yeah. Yeah, but also real quick, like on the on the stock thing, I I'll, I'll trust it a lot more when the stock is rising at this time of year as opposed to when the stock starts rising in February and March. That's to me. That's when I'm like, where like where is this coming from? Like I I understand there's a lot of media experts that are that become draft experts around that time and start popping in the tape and stuff. But if your stock is rising <laughs> while you're still playing games. I'm a little bit more prone to accepting that than all of a sudden, you know, a guy that was not even on your radar is in the top five from February to March. This That's- is the, t- I'm sorry, so I just got you off, but this is the time of the year when the stocks began rising for Blake Bortles. And it's the time of year when the stock started rising for Paxton Lynch. 
Um, you know, I know going back a little ways there, but it was not September, October stock. That was November, and college football is essentially over. We had three more games left, and then we're you know, it's it goes by fast uh, because college football does the weird thing where they take the whole month of December off, pretty much, uh, at least from meaningful games. But like that's where I kind of have a. I think it's it's interesting. I think about those guys that the Cowboys were flirting with too when it comes to Paxton Lynch, at least. You know, Connor Cook, you knew that year that he would be drafted, much like you knew Dak would get drafted, but you knew Connor Cook would. No, a lot of people hadn't heard of Paxton Lynch or didn't know much about Paxton Lynch at that time until late in the game. And then you kind of start tracking them. It's fascinating, too, that Chicago's got, you know, going to have two of those top five picks. Probably, yeah. unless they you know decide to trade back for more, and who knows what could what go be. wrong? What could go? What wrong? could go wrong with the Bears drafting the the UNC quarterback that doesn't work out again? I mean, I wouldn't live with myself if they drafted another quarterback with the top pick and it didn't work out. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It better work out. The other thing is too is even with the Marvin Harrison Jr. thing, like I think he's going to be obviously a star. He's amazing, but he, like. How many of the top receivers in the NFL right now are top five pick guys? I mean, wide receiver is kind of an interesting one. You know, I mean, like Jamar Chase is there, but, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, like there's a ton of these guys fall. Like, and there's a ton of like top picks that, you know, that go in the top 10, top 15 at wide receiver that don't come close to being who you think that they're going to be. So I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, but I feel like. I think he's, I think there's a good chance that he's going to be the man. Don't get me wrong. But oh, yeah. If, I feel if like anyone Dana was going to ruin him for the past it three would be years, the Bears. Like, if Marvin Harrison Jr. was in this draft, he'd be a the top player you know like for the past three years (laughs) he's been saying like he's that he'd be the number one receiver in all three classes or whatever it is like he's just a a level above so as as a long as a long time lions fan (laughs) i know i know about an organization that can ruin really talented players and i see a lot of milling lions and the way the operation in chicago has been going which i'm just fine with same yeah oh my god uh Couple things, uh, uh, talk Cowboys. Let's talk about the offense for a second, and then we'll get our picks for the Panthers game. Uh, good to see Michael Gallup kind of uh, show up out of nowhere, get a few big catches. I mean, garbage time stats, of course, but good to see him do something. That's going to help get his confidence going, make him feel good. I was very happy for him to see that because you know we do know Michael is a very good dude. And I was really happy for him. You know, it's a good point because. Not just with Gallup, but there were several players in that game that it'll be interesting to monitor going forward off of that game. And when I, I think of Gallup, I think of Rico Dowdle, I think of Sam Williams, I think of Mozzie Smith. Brandon Our, Cooks to me, too. Yeah, but Cooks is to me, I I, I expect Cooks to, to be, I can count on Cooks type thing. With those others, there's a little bit of an up and down you don't know for sure. I'm interested to see which one of those, that four right there, will build off of this game. And and we'll know because over the next few games, it's not like they're playing the toughest competition. Man, for the Cowboys, if if even two out of those four ended up like, oh, this was the game that kind of opened it for them, man, that would be huge. And any of those. I mean, I would say if you had to pick, I would think Mozzie Smith would would be one that you'd want and probably Rico uh, just because then that would, it would help your run defense big time and it would help your run offense. And at wide receiver, even if Gallup, you know, ended up being kind of what he's been for the last season and a half you still have brandon cooks and cd lamb playing at high level jake ferguson is emerging but i'm interested which guys out of that that kind of had nice games against the giants in a blowout let's see if any of them can carry that momentum forward now we should talk about running back i mean rico i know you mentioned him but do we have a situation here do we have am i am i conjuring something up here or is this a legit discussion should he be getting more carries yeah and i think it's an easy discussion to be honest with you like yeah your your goal was to come in this le- into the season and he was taking zeke's job and he was the number one and uh and that's great and that sounds good um and uh you know he gave him the franchise tag wonderful but if one guy's averaging 3.7 yards per carry and another guy's averaging six six and a half uh, against the giants uh, you can't just sit there and give that guy less carries and then go stand in front of the team and talk about, you know, winning games and how much you need this, you know, eighth win, ninth win, tenth win. You gotta put the best players out there. So if Rico performs, the his carries will will go above Tony Pollard's. I don't think that there's any question about it. But now Rico has to keep doing that against other teams. But if he builds off this Giants performance, 
I don't think it would be a shock at all to see some games where, you know, he gets some more carries than Tony, but it ain't, it isn't going to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, uh, Rico, uh, they're giving him 20, 25 and, and, uh, Tony Pollard's getting seven touches. Like, it's not going to be like that. It'll be closer, but I could see some games where, uh, going forward that because he's running the ball well, that Rico gets more carries. I don't think that would be out of the question at all. I mean, he looking the way he ran against the giants side wrote about it, man. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen it here in these parts way back with Julius Jones and Marion Barber. Like, I think I think there are just guys that are, you know, a little bit more, uh, a little bit better in that supplemental role. And we saw, like, like, you know, I know I said this on the podcast last week too. Different styles, very different styles. Well, not very, but different styles. But Marion Barber was never going to be a number one back, but he was a very good number two. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And And, you know, I think maybe Tony Pollard and Rico both might be that way where neither one is the bell cow lead, you know, workhorse, but both are, you know, the running game is, is whatever the saying is the sum of the parts or whatever. Like that's basically what you're looking at. Yeah. I, I, the thing what you said, John, though, a minute ago about that, like saying what you didn't mean to do that with Zeke for a few years. <laughs> uh, but there's like, there's no Jerry pressure here or anything like that. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you answered that. Um, yeah. And then there isn't the, there just isn't that, the monetary thing where like, this is going to be your guy. I mean, like, I don't think, well, maybe people did, but even after Tony signed the franchise tag, that didn't guarantee that he was going to be the Cowboys running back for the next three, four years. This was a big, this is a big prove it year for him to be honest with you. Like while we sit here, I I, I'm sure that maybe some, maybe you guys, maybe some people listening will think that we're talking down about Tony. So let me just say this real quick. When I say the possibility of Rico getting more carries in that same picture that I'm looking at is also a more productive Tony Pollard because he isn't being used in that way and he's being used more like he had been in the past when he was a little bit more explosive yeah you could both those things can be true I mean if there wasn't testing ground to to run that back out there wouldn't this week be the week to do it just like I'm not saying you have to say that Rico Dowdle is the starter you know Tony Pollard could still be your starter but legitimately not start on the first play, right? Yeah. I mean, the way it's listed uh, does not have to be the way it happens on the field. Saad asked Dan Quinn about running backs and running styles yesterday. And Saad, didn't you think that was a really good answer about how he talked about the the different sizes and how running back is one of the only positions like that? Yeah, no, I was like just talking about how, you know, if you don't have this, if you don't have the physicality, you better have the quickness. And, you know, you you just got to have something. You can't just be... You can't just be like, there's no prototypical running back. You've got to have a little extra flair to you and and something that that, that can be used. And uh, yeah, I mean, the reason why I asked him was because obviously like he's been around the one of the most, you know, signature style runners and Marshawn Lynch, the way that he ran. And so, you know, like, yeah, he was absolutely right. I think, you know, you have to have a little bit of that. I liked how he also talked about how like, you know, you can find, you know, smaller running backs. And when he's saying that, I'm thinking, you know, Deuce Vaughn or whatever. He's like, you're not going to find like in the NFL six foot defensive tackles because you're not, you know, like you're not going to have guys that are uh, there is on all these other positions. There's certain requirements, whether it's arm length or height or whatever like that. But at running back, it's kind of open to a lot of different uh, sizes. Vaughn speed. Henry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Derek. He, he mentioned Derek Henry. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Two Deuce Vaughn's is Derek Henry, but they can both play the same position. You know, it's funny too because Carolina has no idea what they're doing when they're running the football. They're some weeks will be like Chuba Hubbard's our guy again, and they'll oh, but Miles Sanders we paid for him in the off season, so maybe we'll get him a lot of touches. And they're still trying to just kind of find their way there. And part of that without, is hold on, hold on, hold on, without looking, how many players in the Panthers can you name right now? Okay, skill position. I think I I'm did this with a media member pretty good during during a recent press conference. I'm not going to share which press conference or which media member, but. Uh, I, I we, we went back and forth texting about this because it's it's not easy. Bryce Young, Chuba, um, okay. uh, Miles Sanders. We're going to go Jonathan Mingo out there. Oh, um, nice. Mm-hmm. They're still uh, messing around with DJ Chark, right? Yes. Andy yep. Dalton. Oh. Dalton uh, Eric Brown. starts. Former Cowboys. Brian Burns. Defensive back. Brian Burns is going. Former Cowboys defensive back. Oh, I got uh, Cheeto. Nope, Cheeto's at the Bengals still. 
Um, former Cowboys defensive back. <laughs> Not Casey, because Casey is out there in... Uh, <laughs> I just K- love that, that you pulled that out. Casey's up there in Pittsburgh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm even more impressed that you knew that. Uh, oh, safe- I, know, I know who you're talking about. I didn't look it up, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> safety or corner? It's a safety. safety. <laughs> I, I just remembered. I'm pretty sure he starts with them. Jeff yeah. 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 No, but that would be incredible. <laughs> and he had some good hype around here for a while. Like it's yep. it's not a nobody. Xavier Woods. That's yes, right. Sir. Wow. That's a name. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. The only other one that you didn't name the that I thought name. you might was is Adam Thielen. Well, of course Adam Thielen. Yeah. Who we mentioned in the podcast earlier though, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Hayden Hurst. Yeah. You know, the their tight end Hayden go. Hurst. Uh, and they still have have a few guys that they get the ball to. Uh, uh they got a slot guy that uh uh, Darden's at the Bucks still, I think. Laviscus Chenault. Oh yeah, Laviscus yeah. Chenault. Yeah, former Missouri. No, Colorado. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned Derek Brown, Brian Burns, uh, who they famously allegedly turned down two first round draft picks for. I have a hard time believing that was a real offer. Yeah. I am a big fan though. Good player. Yeah, very good player. I remember C.J. Henderson in the draft. Remember how high yeah, C.J. Henderson yeah. was? Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know who also down. they have? Uh, Johnny Hecker. Oh, they're going to throw the ball. And uh, throw it. Joe Pinero. Pine- <laughs> do, why did I not look this up? We could have asked Fossil about that side. Yeah. This guy's going to throw the football. Just watch. <laughs> I Joel, can't Joel, believe the Cowboys signed Martavis Bryant. Like that. That's such a throwback name to me. <laughs> like That's like... Plexico Burris level throw throwback name. <laughs> can I can I say something that sounds completely stupid, but I do think there's some truth behind it? Is I would not be surprised if Jerry just did that because he didn't make a move during the trade deadline. Let's bring in somebody that people are going to know the name. We'll throw him on the practice squad, see what he's got, and just keep rolling. You said that last week, and I 100 percent am with you on that. <laughs> I mean, I could just. See I would have had a Dez like, though, or something. Like why? <laughs> That would be even Martavis better. Martavis Bryant the hadn't out been of the, the blue thing since 2018. All right, hold on. Let's go around real quick. All right, Jerry <laughs> comes to you and says, we're going to add one player that's not currently on a team right now. Doesn't even have to be, be playing. In the... I think, Kent, you're going to go with Des, but who would you guys each go with? Oh, I, I've been saying this on the podcast for a while. And Dominican Sue. 100% agree. Yeah. Mine was, mine was Fournette, but now he's gone. I, I go Sue. I guess I would have said Jason Peters maybe before he signed with Seattle. <laughs> See if they can get him out there for a series or two. So the Lions just signed Bruce Irvin. Um, but I just don't think that the Cowboys need help rushing the passer. You know, like no. D-tackle, like like a Sue or, or Fournette with his running style was interesting to me. But that Des Bryant would have been wild. I also don't think <laughs> what, they need help they a wide receiver a different now. number. <laughs> like with Jalen Tolbert starting yeah. to play well. He can't wear 88. <laughs> Or eight. Dude, Jalen Brooks is getting action this week. Yeah. Like wide receiver is not a place where I see them needing help. True, true. So I, I, I would, I would take an extra cornerback. Yeah, you know, it might be something to. I have a feeling that they're more confident in Nashawn Wright, Igbenogany, Mukwamu than mm-hmm. maybe we are on the outside. You know. Yeah. Because if they weren't. Why wouldn't you at least work some guys out or possibly bring somebody in? I did feel good about the thing, and maybe they should, but but it sucks that you can't pick your schedule and map out when you play these games. But you are six and three, and a good portion of these games are dominant. Like there's really not a lot to gripe about. Uh, and I know we wanted to win that Eagles game or whatever, but man, it, it felt good. And at times, felt like a win. <laughs> so I uh, I don't know I. I I feel just as good as I did. Well, I don't know. That's the thing. It's at the bye week I was asking some questions, and maybe it's because of how sloppy that Chargers game was. But to come out and handle the the Rams the way they did was very impressive. And then you find yourself here. like it, I don't know. This is a hard team to get a read on. It really is. But the whole league has been hard to get a read, read on. I mean, See, I don't think it is. Broncos, <laughs> I mean, the Bills are not good, you know? Yeah. I think the league, I agree with you, I don't think it is with this Cowboys team. I think this Cowboys team is heading down the exact same path the last three years. Or last, well, this is the third year of the run where I think they make the playoffs. I predicted at the beginning of the year, I think they win 10 games. I think they could win 11 or 12. The problem is I think the uh, Eagles win 13. 
And so they're going to make, obviously the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs again, third consecutive year, but it's just going to come down to as great as any stats are during the regular season, whatever the wins look like, can you put it together in January? That's what it's, that's what it's ultimately going to come down to. Yeah. And so, Oh, one other thing I want to ask you guys real quick. So I think you guys know where I stand on the Cooper rush being QB two, but before the game against the Giants last week, I did get some tweets from some people talking about why not, because you know you'll beat this team, why not make um, Trey Rush? Lance. Yeah, yeah, why don't you sit Rush and make Trey Lance the number two so then he could potentially play all the second half or fourth quarter. I am not in favor of that, but I want to hear what you guys think. Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm not on board with that yet because... Look, you're either taking him seriously or you're not. And once you take Trey Lance seriously, there is no need for Cooper Rush on your roster. So you're just not taking him seriously yet. So it's fine. And if Trey Lance plays bad, it's just going to hurt yeah. him. And down yeah. getting rid of him down the road, if you decide next year, oh, we'll run back with Cooper Rush, let's try and move Trey Lance. If he goes in and throws a pick or two picks <laughs> in the fourth quarter in a blowout, it's not great. But what if he looks really good? Yeah, I mean, we got a QB controversy on our hands, John. <laughs> Look, for me, like I, 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 like I totally understand where, why, like you know, you guys all have that position. I, I would have done it just because I don't think that it really risks your messaging of we're trying to win right now. Because at worst, at worst, you're hoping that Trey Lance outduels Tommy DeVito at home, and. You know, like for me, like, and by the way, just to be clear, like I would have only done it last week. That's it. Because of the Tommy DeVito factor, I would not do it (laughs) again. I would not. I'm being serious with all due respect. I wouldn't do it against the Panthers. The Panthers are a bad team, but all of a sudden, if Dak goes down, you need to win this game. And Bryce Young is leading things on the other end. And, and Trey Lance is your guy. Like I wouldn't do it, but I would have only done it against the Giants. And I would have only done it with Tommy DeVito on the other side, maybe not even with Daniel Jones, but that's just me. The Tommy DeVito factor. Remember that? Is there is there a quarterback right now in the NFL getting less respect than old DeVito? No, and is there a quarterback who's had a more unfair matchup maybe in NFL history than Tommy DeVito? I mean, and the little things like, he lives with his parents. Can you believe it? And they're making fun of him. It's like, <laughs> man, don't make fun of him for that. He's saving money. and He, he, he lives is, in New uh, York, and he probably makes yes. not even enough to afford his own place right yes. now. <laughs> and the rent is guy. too high. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get our predictions in for uh, Cowboys-Panthers. I'll go first. I have Cowboys 37, Panthers 10. Same score I predicted last week. Uh, let's go to you, Saad. Um, I'll go with, man, last, I kind of came close last week in terms of the point differential. I said 38, nothing, but I'll go with, I'll go with 38, 38 to 10. All right, John. I'm gonna go same as last week. I had 40 to seven. Um, and I had some hope when the way the game was going, that that was going to hit and, I gave up those points late to DeVito and company. Um, Yeah, 40. I mean, I could see it being, you know, where they win like 28 to 3 or something. But, uh, and they, and I don't know, they don't necessarily score as well on the road. But I I just, I like their chances here of of getting in the upper 30s. So I'll go 40 to 7. I think this is a game where you get another special teams or defensive touchdown here. Uh, Let's go to Kent. It's a little, a little close with my score last week. My fifty-three to five score ended up being way too close for comfort. <laughs> I was doing a bit, but it ended up working out that way. So let's go, Cowboys forty-four. Man, Panthers just send the JV out there. Like, I mean, take a take an extra bye week. This is going to be very lopsided. Cowboys forty-four, Panthers four. Ooh, double safety. The double safety. Love to see it. Man, that would have to be a scoregami. There's a reason Kent is first place in picks this year. Do the picks like that? Mm. Um, Has anybody ever had four points in a game? Surely. Really? Gotta look it up on scoregami. I mean, there's no way. 
I'm looking it up. Imagine being good enough to get two safeties. I guess, ah, eh, shouldn't say good enough. Someone could just run out of the back of the end zone or throw the ball out the back of the end zone, but two uh, safeties and that's the only score you get? Yeah, there's been twice, or yes. Any time with the helmets they wear today? No. It was the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> the leather helmets. It was it was the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, they were they were good. Yeah, I have Barry, it at Barry, Barry Bonds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. T- I have a ten four league. Uh, the Chicago Cardinals lost mm. to the Racine Legion ten to four in nineteen twenty three. Was that in a league of their own? I just remember the hundred years later. Racine, like the Carolina Panthers with sharp teeth and claws. Um. All right. Well, we'll be back next week to get you ready for. Cowboys and Commanders, Thanksgiving Day. We'll have our Dolly Parton predictions. You know the whole thing. Uh, uh, we'll be doing that, and uh, we'll uh, break break that down, uh, break down pa- uh, Panthers and Cowboys, and then uh, get you ready for the Thanksgiving Day game as we are tiptoeing our way across midfield, entering the green zone here <laughs> of the season with uh, Week 11, and then uh, we'll be back next week. So everyone have a good and safe week. John, uh, safe travels out to Carolina. Keep following Sod covering the Red Hot Dallas Stars. And uh, we had Mavs coverage as well as they're really good. All the Metroplex teams doing very, very well. We'll see if the Cowboys can keep it going uh, in uh, Carolina at what I would like to call Erickson Stadium, even though it's not that anymore. Um, for our producer, Kate Garrison, for Sod Yusuf, for Father John Mashoda, I am Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll see you next week on About Them Cowboys. Austin Powers, 